The Holy Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke Many have been at pains to set forth the history of what time has brought to fulfillment among us, following the tradition of those first eyewitnesses who gave themselves up to the service of the Word. And I too, most noble Theophilus, have resolved to put the story in writing for thee as it befell, having first traced it carefully from its beginnings, that thou mayest understand the instruction thou hast already received in all its certainty. In the days when Herod was king of Judea, there was a priest called Zachary, of Abir's turn of office, who had married a wife of Aaron's family by name Elizabeth. They were both well approved in God's sight, following all the commandments and observances of the Lord without reproach. They had no child. Elizabeth was barren, and both were now well advanced in years. He then, as it happened, was doing a priest's duty before God in the order of his turn of office, and had been chosen by lot, as was the custom among the priests, to go into the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense there, while the whole multitude of the people stood praying without at the hour of sacrifice. Suddenly he saw an angel of the Lord standing at the right of the altar where incense was burnt. Zachary was bewildered at the sight and overcome with fear. But the angel said, Zachary, do not be afraid. Thy prayer has been heard, and thy wife Elizabeth is to bear thee a son to whom thou shalt give the name of John. Joy and gladness shall be thine, and many hearts shall rejoice over his birth, for he is to be high in the Lord's service. He is to drink neither wine nor strong drink. And from the time when he is yet a child in his mother's womb, he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. He shall bring back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, ushering in his advent in the spirit and power of an Elias. He shall unite the hearts of all, the fathers with the children, and teach the disobedient the wisdom that makes men just, preparing for the Lord a people fit to receive him. And Zachary said to the angel, By what sign am I to be assured of this? I am an old man now, and my wife is far advanced in age. The angel answered, My name is Gabriel, and my place is in God's presence. I have been sent to speak with thee, and to bring thee this good news. Behold, thou shalt be dumb, and have no power of speech, until the day when this is accomplished, and that, because thou hast not believed my promise, which shall in due time be fulfilled. And now all the people were waiting for Zachary, and wondering that he delayed in the temple so long. But he, when he came out, could speak no word to them whereupon they made sure that he'd seen some vision in the sanctuary. He could but stand there making signs to them, for he remained dumb. And so, when the days of his ministry were at an end, he went back to his house. It was after those days that his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she dwelt retired. She said, It is the Lord who has done this for me, visiting me at his own time, to take away my reproach among men. When the sixth month came, God sent the angel Gabriel to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, where a virgin dwelt, 
betrothed to a man of David's lineage. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. Into her presence the angel came and said, Hail, thou who art full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. She was much perplexed at hearing him speak so, and cast about in her mind what she was to make of such a greeting. Then the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid, thou hast found favour in the sight of God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call him Jesus. He shall be great, and men will know him for the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob eternally. His kingdom shall never have an end. But Mary said to the angel, How can that be, since I have no knowledge of man? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon thee, and the power of the Most High will overshadow thee. Thus this holy offspring of thine shall be known for the Son of God. See, moreover, how it fares with thy cousin Elizabeth. She is old, yet she too has conceived a son. She who was reproached with barrenness is now in her sixth month, to prove that nothing can be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be unto me according to thy word. And with that the angel left her. In the days that followed, Mary rose up and went with all haste to a town of Judah in the hill country where Zachary dwelt. And there entering in, she gave Elizabeth greeting. No sooner had Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting than the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Ghost, so that she cried out with a loud voice, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. How have I deserved to be thus visited by the mother of my Lord? Why, as soon as ever the voice of thy greeting sounded in my ears, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed art thou for thy believing. The message that was brought to thee from the Lord shall have fulfillment. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has found joy in God, who is my Saviour because he has looked graciously upon the lowliness of his handmaid. Behold, from this day forward, all generations will count me blessed, because he who is mighty, he whose name is holy, has wrought for me his wonders. He has mercy upon those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has done valiantly with the strength of his arm, driving the proud astray in the conceit of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seat, and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has protected his servant Israel, keeping his merciful design in remembrance, according to the promise which he made to our forefathers, Abraham, and his posterity for evermore. Mary returned home when she had been with her about three months. Meanwhile, Elizabeth's time had come for her childbearing, and she bore a son. Her neighbours and her kinsfolk, hearing how wonderfully God had showed his mercy to her, came to rejoice with her. And now, when they assembled on the eighth day for the circumcision of the child, they were for calling him Zachary, 
because it was his father's name. But his mother answered, No, he is to be called John. And they said, There's none of thy kindred that is called by this name, and began asking his father by signs what name he would have him called by. So he asked for a tablet, and wrote on it the words, His name is John, and they were all astonished. Then of a sudden his lips and his tongue were unloosed, and he broke into speech, giving praise to God, so that fear came upon all their neighborhood, and there was none of these happenings, but was noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. All those who heard it laid it to heart. Why then, they asked, what will this child grow to be? And indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Then his father Zachary was filled with the Holy Ghost, and spoke in prophecy. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has visited his people and wrought their redemption. He has raised up a scepter of salvation for us among the posterity of his servant David, according to the promise which he made by the lips of holy men that have been his prophets from the beginning. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. So he would carry out his merciful design towards our fathers by remembering his holy covenant. He had sworn an oath to our father Abraham that he would enable us to live without fear in his service, delivered from the hand of our enemies, passing all our days in holiness and approved in his sight. And thou, my child, will be known for a prophet of the Most High, going before the Lord to clear his way for him. Thou wilt make known to his people the salvation that is to release them from their sins. Such is the merciful kindness of our God, which has bidden him come to us like a dawning from on high, to give light to those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And as the child grew, his spirit achieved strength, and he dwelt in the wilderness until the day when he was made manifest to Israel. It happened that a decree went out at this time from the Emperor Augustus, enjoining that the whole world should be registered. This register was the one first made during the time when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. All must go and give in their names, each in his own city, and Joseph, being of David's clan and family, came up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to David's city in Judea, the city called Bethlehem, to give in his name there. With him was his espoused wife Mary, who was then in her pregnancy. And it was while they were still there that the time came for her delivery. She brought forth a son, her firstborn, whom she wrapped in his swaddling clothes and laid in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same country there were shepherds awake in the fields, keeping night watches over their flocks. And all at once an angel of the Lord came and stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shone about them, so that they were overcome with fear. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of a great rejoicing for the whole people. This day in the city of David a Saviour has been born for you 
the Lord Christ himself. This is the sign by which you are to know him. You will find a child still in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Then, on a sudden, a multitude of the heavenly army appeared to them at the angel's side, giving praise to God and saying, Glory to God in high heaven, and peace on earth to men that are God's friends. When the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Come, let us make our way to Bethlehem and see for ourselves this happening which God has made known to us. And so they went with all haste and found Mary and Joseph there with a child lying in the manger. On seeing him, they discovered the truth of what had been told them about this child. All those who heard it were full of amazement at the story which the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these sayings and reflected on them in her heart. And the shepherds went home, giving praise and glory to God, at seeing and hearing that all was as it had been told them. When eight days had passed, and the boy must be circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name which the angel had given him before ever he was conceived in the womb. And when the time had come for purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him before the Lord there. It is written in God's law that whatever male offspring opens the womb is to be reckoned sacred to the Lord. And so they must offer in sacrifice for him, as God's law commanded, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At this time there was a man named Simeon living in Jerusalem, an upright man of careful observance, who waited patiently for comfort to be brought to Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and by the Holy Spirit it had been revealed to him that he was not to meet death until he had seen that Christ whom the Lord had anointed. He now came, led by the Spirit, into the temple, and when the child Jesus was brought in by his parents to perform the custom which the law enjoined concerning him, Simeon too was able to take him in his arms, and he said, blessing God, Ruler of all, now dost thou let thy servant go in peace according to thy word. For my own eyes have seen that saving power of thine, which thou hast prepared in the sight of all nations. This is the light which shall give revelation to the Gentiles. This is the glory of thy people Israel. The father and mother of the child were still wondering over all that was said of him, when Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, Behold, this child is destined to bring about the fall of many and the rise of many in Israel, to be a sign which men will refuse to acknowledge, and so the thoughts of many hearts shall be made manifest. As for thy own soul, it shall have a sword to pierce it. There was besides a prophetess named Anna, daughter to one Faneuil of the tribe of Asa a woman greatly advanced in age, since she lived with her husband for seven years after her maidenhood and had now been eighty-four years a widow, who abode continually in the temple night and day, serving God with fasting and prayer. She too, at that very hour, came near to give God thanks 
and spoke of the child to all that patiently waited for the deliverance of Israel. And now, when all had been done that the law of the Lord required, they returned to Galilee and to their own town of Nazareth. And so the child grew and came to his strength, full of wisdom, and the grace of God rested upon him. Every year his parents used to go up to Jerusalem at the Paschal Feast, and when he was twelve years old, after going up to Jerusalem, as the custom was at the time of the feast, and completing the days of its observance, they set about their return home. But the boy Jesus, unknown to his parents, continued his stay in Jerusalem, and they, thinking that he was among their travelling companions, had gone a whole day's journey before they made inquiry for him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. When they could not find him, they made their way back to Jerusalem in search of him, and it was only after three days that they found him. He was sitting in the temple, in the midst of those who taught there, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were in amazement at his quick understanding and at the answers he gave. Seeing him there, they were full of wonder, and his mother said to him, My son, why hast thou treated us so? Think what anguish of mind thy father and I have endured, searching for thee. But he asked them, What reason had you to search for me? Could you not tell that I must needs be in the place which belongs to my father? These words which he spoke to them were beyond their understanding. But he went down with them on their journey to Nazareth and lived there in subjection to them, while his mother kept in her heart the memory of all this. And so Jesus advanced in wisdom with the years and in favour both with God and with men. It was in the fifteenth year of the Emperor Tiberius' reign when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, when Herod was prince in Galilee, his brother Philip in the Iturian and Trachonitid region, and Lysanus in Abilina, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, that the word of God came upon John, the son of Zachary, in the desert. And he went all over the country round Jordan, announcing a baptism whereby men repented to have their sins forgiven as it is written in the book of the sayings of the prophet Isaiah, there is a voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, straighten out his paths. Every valley is to be bridged, and every mountain and hill leveled, and the windings are to be cut straight, and the rough paths made into smooth roads, and all mankind is to see the saving power of God. He said to the multitudes who came out to be baptized by him, who was it that taught you, brood of vipers, to flee from the vengeance that draws near? Come then, yield the acceptable fruit of repentance. Do not think to say, We have Abraham for our father. I tell you, God has power to raise up children to Abraham out of these very stones. Already the axe has been put to the root of the trees, so that every tree which does not show good fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. And the multitudes asked him, What is it then we are to do? He answered them, 
The man who has two coats must share with the man who has none, and the man who has food to eat must do the like. The publicans too came to be baptized. Master, they said to him, what are we to do? He told them, do not go beyond the scale appointed you. Even the soldiers on guard asked him, what of us, what are we to do? He said to them, do not use men roughly, do not lay false information against them, be content with your pay. And now the people was full of expectation. All had the same surmise in their hearts, whether John might not be the Christ. But John gave them their answer by saying publicly, As for me, I am baptizing you with water, but one is yet to come who is mightier than I, so that I am not worthy to untie the strap of his shoes. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He holds his winnowing fan ready to purge his threshing floor clean. He will gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will consume with fire that can never be quenched. With these and many other warnings he gave his message to the people. But when he rebuked Prince Herod over his brother Philip's wife and his shameful deeds, Herod, to crown all, shut John up in prison. It was while all the people were being baptized that Jesus was baptized too and stood there praying. Suddenly heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit came down upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Jesus himself had now reached the age of about thirty. He was by repute the son of Joseph, son of Heli, son of Mathat, son of Levi, son of Melchi, son of Jani, son of Joseph, son of Mattathias, son of Amos, son of Nahum, son of Hesli, son of Nagi, son of Mehath, son of Mattathias, son of Semei, son of Joseph, son of Judah, son of Joanna, son of Rezer, son of Zerubbabel, son of Zelathiel, son of Neri, son of Melchi, son of Adai, son of Cozen, son of Elmadam, son of Hur, son of Jesu, son of Eliezer, son of Jorim, son of Mathat, son of Levi, son of Simeon, son of Judah, son of Joseph, son of Jonah, son of Eliakim, son of Malia, son of Medna, son of Matatha, son of Nathan, son of David, son of Jesse, son of Obed, son of Boaz, son of Salmon, son of Nasson, son of Aminadab, son of Aram, son of Ezran, son of Phares, son of Judah, son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of Abraham, son of Thari, son of Nechor, son of Zarug, son of Ragau, son of Phalag, son of Heber, son of Sali, son of Kainan, son of Arphaxad, son of Sem, son of Noe, son of Lamech, son of Methuselah, son of Enoch, son of Jared, son of Malaliel, son of Kainan, son of Hinos, son of Seth, son of Adam, who was the son of God.
Jesus returned from the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and by the Spirit he was led on into the wilderness, where he remained forty days, tempted by the devil. During those days he ate nothing, and when they were over he was hungry. Then the devil said to him, If thou art the Son of God, bid this stone turn into a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man cannot live by bread only. There is life for him in all the words that come from God. And the devil led him up onto a high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give thee command, the devil said to him, over all these, and the glory that belongs to them. They have been made over to me, and I may give them to whomsoever I please. Come then, all shall be thine, if thou wilt fall down before me and worship. Jesus answered him, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, to him only shalt thou do service. And he led him to Jerusalem, and there set him down on the pinnacle of the temple. If thou art the Son of God, he said to him, Cast thyself down from this to the earth. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee to keep thee safe, and they will hold thee up with their hands, lest thou shouldst chance to trip on a stone. And Jesus answered him, We are told, Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the proof. So the devil, when he had finished tempting him every way, left him in peace until the time should come. And Jesus came back to Galilee with the power of the Spirit upon him. Word of him went round through all the neighboring country, and he began to preach in their synagogues, so that his praise was on all men's lips. Then he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and he went into the synagogue there, as his custom was, on the Sabbath day, and stood up to read. The book given to him was the book of the prophet Isaiah. So he opened it, and found the place where the words ran, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me, and sent me out to preach the gospel to the poor, to restore the broken-hearted, to bid the prisoners go free, and the blind have sight, to set the oppressed at liberty, to proclaim a year when men may find acceptance with the Lord. Then he shut the book, and gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. All those who were in the synagogue fixed their eyes on him, and thus he began speaking to them. This scripture which I have read in your hearing is today fulfilled. All bore testimony to him, and were astonished at the gracious words which came from his mouth. Why, they said, is not this the son of Joseph? Then he said to them, No doubt you will tell me, as the proverb says, Physician, heal thyself. Do here in thy own country, all that we've heard of thy doing at Capernaum. And he said, Believe me, no prophet finds acceptance in his own country. Why, you may be sure of this, there were many widows among the people of Israel in the days of Elias, when a great famine came over all the land, after the heavens had remained shut for three years and six months. But Elias was not sent to any of these. He was sent to a widow woman in Sarepta, which belongs to Sidon, and there were many lepers among the people of Israel in the days of the prophet Eliseus. But it was none of them, it was Naaman the Syrian who was made clean. All those who were in the synagogue were full of indignation at hearing this. They rose up and thrust him out of the city, and took him up to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, to throw him over it. 
but he passed through the midst of them and so went on his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, which is a city in Galilee, and began teaching them there on the Sabbath. And they were amazed by his teaching. Such was the authority with which he spoke. In the synagogue was a man who was possessed by an unclean spirit that cried out with a loud voice, Nay, why dost thou meddle with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Hast thou come to make an end of us? I recognize thee for what thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked it. Silence, he said, come out of him. Then the unclean spirit threw him into a convulsion before them all and went out of him without doing him any injury. Wonder fell upon them all as they said to one another, What is this word of his? See how he has authority and power to lay his command on the unclean spirits so that they come out. And the story of his doings spread into every part of the countryside. So he rose up and left the synagogue and went into Simon's house. The mother of Simon's wife was in the grip of a violent fever and they entreated his aid for her. He stood over her and checked the fever so that it left her. All at once she rose and ministered to them. And when the sun was going down, all those who had friends afflicted with diseases of any kind brought them to him, and he laid his hands upon each one of them and healed them. Many, too, had devils cast out of them, which cried aloud, Thou art the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not have them speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. Then, when day came, he went out and retired to a desert place. The multitude who had set out in search of him and caught him up would have kept him there and not let him leave. But he told them, I must preach the gospel of God's kingdom to the other cities too. It is for this that I was sent. And so he went on preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. It happened that he was standing by the lake of Gennesareth at a time when the multitude was pressing close about him to hear the word of God. And he saw two boats moored at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. And he went on board one of the boats which belonged to Simon and asked him to stand off a little from the land. And so, sitting down, he began to teach the multitudes from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Stand out into the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered him, Master, we have toiled all the night and caught nothing, but at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they took a great quantity of fish, so that the nets were near breaking, and they must needs beckon to their partners, who were in the other boat, to come and help them. When these came, they filled both boats so that they were ready to sink. At seeing this, Simon Peter fell down and caught Jesus by the knees. Leave me to myself, Lord, he said. I'm a sinner. Such amazement had overcome both him and all his crew at the catch of fish they had made. So it was too with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were Simon's partners. But Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Henceforth thou shalt be a fisher of men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they left all and followed him.
Afterwards, while he was in one of the cities, he came upon a man who was far gone in leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face in entreaty. Lord, he said, if it be thy will, thou hast power to make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, It is my will, be thou made clean. Whereupon, all at once, his leprosy passed from him. And Jesus warned him not to tell any one of it. Go and show thyself to the priest, he said, and bring an offering for thy cleansing, as Moses commanded, to make the truth known to them. But still the talk of him spread more and more, and great multitudes came together to listen to him and be healed of their infirmities. And he would steal away from them into the desert and pray there. It chanced one day that he was teaching, and that some Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting by, who had come from every village in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was there to grant healing. Just then some men brought there on a bed one who was palsied, whom they tried to carry in and set down in Jesus' presence. But finding no way of carrying him in because of the multitude, they went up onto the housetop and let him down between the tiles, bed and all, into the clear space in front of Jesus. And he, seeing their faith, said, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Whereupon the Pharisees and scribes fell to reasoning thus, Who can this be that he talks so blasphemously? Who can forgive sins but God and God only? Jesus knew of these secret thoughts of theirs and said to them openly, Why do you reason thus in your hearts? Which command is more lightly given, to say, Thy sins are forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? And now, to convince you that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins while he is on the earth, here he spoke to the palsied man, I tell thee, Rise up, take thy bed with thee, and go home. And he rose up at once in full sight of them, took up his bedding, and went home, giving praise to God. Astonishment came over them all, and they praised God, full of awe. We have seen strange things, they said today. Then he went out and caught sight of a publican called Levi, sitting at work in the customs house, and said to him, Follow me. And he rose up and left all behind and followed him. Then Levi made a great feast for him in his house, and there was a crowded company of publicans and others who were their fellow guests. Whereupon the Pharisees and scribes complained to his disciples, How comes it that you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? But Jesus answered them, It's those who are sick, not those who are in health, that have need of the physician. I have not come to call the just, I have come to call sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, How is it that thy disciples eat and drink, when John's disciples are always fasting and praying, and the Pharisees' disciples too. And he said to them, Can you persuade the men of the bridegroom's company to fast, while the bridegroom is still with them? No, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast when that day comes. And he told them this parable. Nobody uses a piece taken from a new cloak to patch an old one. If that is done, he will have torn the new cloak, and the piece taken from the new will not match the old.
nor does anybody put new wine into old wineskins. If that is done, the new wine bursts the skins, and there is the wine spilt and the skins spoilt. If the wine is new, it must be put into fresh wineskins, and so both are kept safe. Nobody who has been drinking old wine calls all at once for new. He will tell you, the old is better. It happened that on the next Sabbath but one, he was walking through the cornfields, and his disciples were plucking the ears of corn and eating them, rubbing them between their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? Whereupon Jesus answered them, Why, have you never read of what David did when he and his followers were hungry, how he went into the tabernacle and ate the loaves set there before God and gave them to his followers, although it's not lawful for anyone except the priests to eat them? And he told them, The Son of Man has even a Sabbath at his disposal. And on another Sabbath day it happened that he went into the synagogue to teach, when there was a man there who had his right hand withered. The scribes and Pharisees were watching him to see whether he would restore health on the Sabbath so that they might have a charge to bring against him. He knew their secret thoughts and said to the man who had his hand withered, Rise up and come forward, whereupon he rose to his feet. Then Jesus said to them, I have a question to ask you, which is right, to do good on the Sabbath day or to do harm, to save life, or to make away with it. And he looked round on them all, and said to him, Stretch out thy hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored to him. And they were overcome with fury, debating with one another what they could do to Jesus. It was at this time that he went out onto the mountainside, and passed the whole night offering prayer to God. And when day dawned, he called his disciples to him, choosing out twelve of them. These he called his apostles. Their names were Simon, whom he also called Peter, his brother Andrew, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who is called the Zealot, Jude the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, the man who turned traitor. With them he went down and stood on a level place. A multitude of his disciples was there, and a great gathering of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon. These had come there to listen to him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled by unclean spirits were also cured, so that all the multitude was eager to touch him, because power went out from him and healed them all. Then he lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are hungry now, you will have your fill. Blessed are you who weep now, you will laugh for joy. Blessed are you when men hate you and cast you off and revile you, when they reject your name as something evil for the Son of Man's sake. When that day comes, rejoice and exult over it, for behold, a rich reward awaits you in heaven. Their fathers treated the prophets no better. But woe upon you who are rich, you have your comfort already. 
Woe upon you who are filled full, you shall be hungry. Woe upon you who laugh now, you shall mourn and weep. Woe upon you when all men speak well of you, their fathers treated the false prophets no worse. And now I say to you who are listening to me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who treat you insultingly. If a man strikes thee on the cheek, offer him the other cheek too. If a man will take away thy cloak, do not grudge him thy coat along with it. Give to every man who asks, and if a man takes what is thine, do not ask him to restore it. As you would have men treat you, you are to treat them, no otherwise. Why, what credit is it to you if you love those who love you? Even sinners love those who love them. What credit is it to you if you do good to those who do good to you? Even sinners do as much. What credit is it to you if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much in exchange. No, it is your enemies you must love and do them good and lend to them without any hope of return. Then your reward will be a rich one, and you will be true sons of the Most High, generous like him towards the thankless and unjust. Be merciful, then, as your Father is merciful. Judge nobody, and you will not be judged. Condemn nobody, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be yours. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken up and running over, will be poured into your lap. The measure you award to others is the measure that will be awarded to you. And he told them this parable. Can one blind man lead another? Will not both fall into the ditch together? A disciple is no better than his master. He will be fully perfect if he is as his master is. How is it that thou can see the speck of dust which is in thy brother's eye, and art not aware of the beam which is in thy own? By what right wilt thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me rid thy eye of that speck, when thou canst not see the beam that is in thy own? Thou hypocrite, take the beam out of thy own eye first, and so thou shalt have clear sight to rid thy brothers of the speck. There is no sound tree that will yield withered fruit, no withered tree that will yield sound fruit. Each tree is known by its proper fruit. Figs are not plucked from thorns, nor grapes gathered from briar bushes. A good man utters what is good from his heart's store of goodness. The wicked man, from his heart's store of wickedness, can utter nothing but what is evil. It is from the heart's overflow that the mouth speaks. How is it that you call me Master, Master, and will not do what I bid you? If anyone comes to me and listens to my commandments and carries them out, I will tell you what he is like. He is like a man that will build a house, who dug, dug deep, and laid his foundation on rock. Then a flood came, and the river broke upon that house, but could not stir it. It was founded upon rock. But a man who listens to what I say and does not carry it out, 
is like a man who built his house in the earth without foundation. When the river broke upon it, it fell at once, and great was that house's ruin. When he had had his say in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. There was a centurion that had a servant, very dear to him, who was then at the point of death. And he, when he was told about Jesus, sent some of the elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And these, presenting themselves before Jesus, began to make earnest appeal to him. He deserves, they said, to have this done for him. He is a good friend to our race, and has built our synagogue for us at his own cost. So Jesus set out in their company, and when he was already near the house, the centurion sent some friends to him. Do not put thyself to any trouble, Lord, he said. I am not worthy to receive thee under my roof. That is why I did not presume to come to thee myself. My servant will be healed if thou wilt only speak a word of command. I too know what it is to obey authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say, Go to one man, and he goes, or come to another, and he comes, or do this to my servant, and he does it. When he heard that, Jesus turned in amazement to the multitude which followed him, and said, Believe me, I have not found faith like this, even in Israel. And the messengers, when they came back to the house, found the servant who had been sick fully recovered. And now it happened that he was going into a city called Name, attended by his disciples and by a great multitude of people. And just as he drew near the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out to his burial, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a crowd of folk from the city went with her. When the Lord saw her, he had pity on her and said, Do not weep. Then he went up and put his hand on the bier, and those who were carrying it stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to thee, rise up. And the dead man sat up and spoke, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all overcome with awe, and said, praising God, A great prophet has risen up among us. God has visited his people. And this story of him was noised abroad throughout the whole of Judea and all the country round. John was told of all this by his disciples, and he summoned two of his disciples and sent them to Jesus to ask, Is it thy coming that was foretold, or are we yet waiting for some other? So they presented themselves before him and said, John the Baptist has sent us to ask, Is it thy coming that was foretold, or are we yet waiting for some other? At the very time of their visit, Jesus rid many of their diseases and afflictions and of evil spirits, and gave many that were blind the gift of sight. Then he answered, Go and tell John what your own eyes and ears have witnessed, how the blind see, and the lame walk, and the lepers are made clean, and the deaf hear, how the dead are raised to life, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not lose confidence in me. Then, when John's messengers had gone away, he took occasion to speak of John to the multitudes. What was it, he asked, that you expected to see when you went out into the wilderness? Was it a reed trembling in the wind? No, not that. What was it you went out to see? Was it a man clad in silk? 
You must look in kings' palaces for men that go proudly dressed and live in luxury. What was it then that you went out to see? A prophet? Yes, and something more, I tell you, than a prophet. This is the man of whom it is written, Behold, I am sending before thee that angel of mine, who is to prepare thy way for thy coming. I tell you, there is no greater than John the Baptist among all the sons of women, and yet to be least in the kingdom of heaven is to be greater than he. It was the common folk who listened to him, and the publicans that had given God his due by receiving John's baptism, whereas the Pharisees and lawyers, by refusing it, had frustrated God's plan for them. And the Lord said, To what then shall I compare the men of this generation? What are they like? They put me in mind of those children who call out to their companions as they sit in the marketplace and say, You would not dance when we piped to you. You would not mourn when we wept to you. When John came, he would neither eat nor drink, and you say, He's possessed. When the Son of Man came, he ate and drank with you, and of him you say, Here is a glutton, he loves wine. He's a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is vindicated by all her children. One of the Pharisees invited him to a meal, so he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at table. And there was then a sinful woman in the city, who, hearing that he was at table in the Pharisee's house, brought a pot of ointment with her and took her place behind him at his feet, weeping. Then she began washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair, kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. His host, the Pharisee, saw it and thought to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who this woman is that's touching him and what kind of woman, a sinner. But Jesus answered him thus, Simon, I have a word for thy hearing. Tell it me, Master, he said. There was a creditor who had two debtors. One owed him five hundred pieces of silver, the other fifty. They had no means of paying him, and he gave them both their discharge. And now, tell me, which of them loves him the more? I suppose, Simon answered, that it is the one who had the greater debt discharged. And he said, Thou hast judged rightly. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Dost thou see this woman? I came into thy house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Thou gavest me no kiss of greeting. She has never ceased to kiss my feet since I entered. Thou didst not pour oil on my head. She has anointed my feet and with ointment. And so I tell thee, if great sins have been forgiven her, she is also greatly loved. He loves little who has little forgiven him. Then he said to her, Thy sins are forgiven. And his fellow guests thereupon thought to themselves, Who is this that he even forgives sins? But he told the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Then followed a time in which he went on journeying from one city or village to another, preaching and spreading the good news of God's kingdom. With him were the twelve apostles and certain women whom he'd freed from evil spirits and from sicknesses, Mary, who's called Magdalene, who'd had seven devils cast out of her, and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, 
and Susanna and many others who ministered to him with the means they had. When a great multitude had gathered and more came flocking to him out of the cities, he spoke to them in a parable. Here is the sower gone out to sow his seed, and as he sowed there were some grains that fell beside the path, so that they were trodden underfoot, and the birds flew down and ate them. And others fell on the rocks, where they withered as soon as they were up, because they had no moisture. And some fell among briars, and the briars grew up with them and smothered them. But others fell where the soil was good, and when these grew up, they yielded a hundredfold. So saying, he cried aloud, Listen, you that have ears to hear with. Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he told them, It is granted to you to understand the secret of God's kingdom. The rest must learn of it by parables, so that they can watch without seeing and listen without understanding. The parable means this, The seed is God's word. Those by the wayside hear the word, and then the devil comes and takes it away from their hearts, so that they cannot find faith and be saved. Those on the rock are those who entertain the word with joy as soon as they hear it, and yet have no roots. They last for a while, but in time of temptation they fall away. And the grain that fell among the briars stands for those who hear it, and then, going on their way, are stifled by the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life, and never reach maturity. And the grain that fell in good soil stands for those who hear the word, and hold by it with a noble and generous heart, and endure, and yield a harvest. Nobody lights a lamp to hide it away in a jar or under a bed. It's put on a lampstand, so that all who come into the house can see its light. What is covered up will all be revealed. What is hidden will all be made known and come to light. Look well, then, how you listen. If a man is rich, gifts will be made to him. If he is poor, he will lose even what he thinks his own. And his mother and brethren came to visit him, but could not reach him because of the multitude. So word was given him, Thy mother and thy brethren are standing without, asking to see thee. But he answered them, My mother and my brethren are those who hear the word of God and keep it. A day came when he and his disciples embarked on a boat. Let us cross to the other side of the lake, he said to them, and they began their voyage. While they were sailing he fell asleep, and now a storm of wind came down upon the lake, and they began to ship water perilously. So they came and roused him, crying, Master, Master, we are sinking. And he rose up and checked both wind and wave, and there was calm. Then he said to them, Where's your faith? And they were full of awe and astonishment, saying to one another, Why, who is this, who gives his command to wind and water, and is obeyed? So they came to land in the country of the Gerasenes, which is on the coast opposite Galilee. And as he went ashore, he was met by a possessed man, who for a long time had gone naked, and lived homeless among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him, and cried with a loud voice, 
Why dost thou meddle with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I pray thee, do not torment me. For he was bidding the unclean spirit come out of the man. Often, at times when it had seized upon him, the man had been bound under guard with chains and fetters, but still he would break his bonds and the devil would drive him out into the wilderness. Then Jesus asked him, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, for there were many devils that had entered into him. And they entreated him not to bid them go back to the abyss. There was a great herd of swine feeding on the mountainside, and the devils besought his leave to go into these instead. This leave he granted them. So the devils left the man and entered into the swine, whereupon the herd rushed down the cliff into the lake and were drowned. The herdsmen fled when they saw it happen, and spread the news of it in the city and about the countryside, so that they came out to see what had happened for themselves. When they reached Jesus, they found the man from whom the devils had been driven out sitting there, clothed and restored to his wits, at Jesus' feet, and they were terrified. Those who witnessed it told them how the possessed man had been delivered. Then all the common folk of the country round Gerasa asked Jesus to leave them. Such fear had gripped them, and he embarked on the boat and returned. The man from whom the devils had been driven out asked leave to accompany him, but Jesus sent him away. Go back home, he said, and make known all God's dealings with thee. So he went back and published all over the city the news of the great things Jesus had done for him. When Jesus returned, he found the multitude there to greet him. They'd all been awaiting him. And now a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, imploring him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about twelve years old, who was dying. It happened that as he went, the multitude pressed about him closely. And a woman, who for twelve years had had an issue of blood, and had spent all her money on doctors without finding one who could cure her, came up behind and touched the hem of his cloak, and suddenly her issue of blood was staunched. Then Jesus said, Who touched me? All disclaimed it. Master, said Peter and his companions, the multitudes are hemming thee in and crowding upon thee, and canst thou ask, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me. I can tell that power has gone out from me. And the woman, finding that there was no concealment, came forward trembling and fell at his feet, and so told him before all the people of her reason for touching him and of her sudden cure. And he said to her, My daughter, thy faith has brought thee recovery. Go in peace. While he was yet speaking, a messenger came to the ruler of the synagogue to say, Thy daughter is dead. Do not trouble the master. Jesus heard it and said to him openly, Do not be afraid, thou hast only to believe and she will recover. When he reached the house, he would not let anyone come in with him except Peter and James and John and the child's father and mother. All were weeping and bewailing her. There's no need to weep, he told them. She's not dead, she's asleep. And they laughed aloud at him, well knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and called aloud, Rise up, maiden, and she rose up there and then with life restored to her. He ordered that she should be given something to eat, and warned her parents, 
who were beside themselves with wonder, to let no one hear of what had befallen. And he called the twelve apostles to him, and gave them power and authority over all devils, and to cure diseases, sending them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing with you to use on your journey, staff, or wallet, or bread, or money. You are not to have more than one coat apiece. You are to lodge in the house you first enter, and not change your abode. And wherever they deny you a welcome, as you leave the city, shake off the dust from your feet, in witness against them. So they set out, and passed through the villages, preaching the gospel, and healing the sick wherever they went. And Herod, who was prince in that quarter, heard of all his doings, and did not know what to think, some telling him that John had risen from the dead, and some that Elias had appeared, and some that one of the old prophets had returned to life. John, said Herod, I beheaded. Who can this be, of whom I hear such reports? And he was eager to see him. And now the apostles came back and told Jesus of all they had done, and he retired, taking them with him to a desert place in the Bethsaida country, where they could be alone. But the multitudes heard of it and followed him, so he gave them welcome and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who were in need of healing. And now the day began to wear on, and the twelve came and said to him, Give the multitudes leave, to go to the villages and farms round about, so that they can find lodging and food. We are in desert country here. But he told them, It is for you to give them food to eat. We have no more, they said, than five loaves and two fishes, unless thou wouldst have us go ourselves and buy food for all this assembly. About five thousand men were gathered there. So he said to his disciples, Make them sit down by companies of fifty. And they did this, bidding all of them sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looked up to heaven, and blessed them, and broke, and gave them to his disciples to set before the multitude. All ate and had their fill, and when what they left over was picked up, it filled twelve baskets. There was a time when he had gone apart to pray, and his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the multitude say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, others say Elias, others that one of the old prophets has returned to life. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, Thou art the Christ whom God has anointed. And he laid a strict charge upon them, bidding them tell no one of it. The Son of Man, he said, is to be much ill-used and rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be put to death and rise again on the third day. And he said to all alike, If any man has a mind to come my way, let him renounce self, and take up his cross daily, and follow me. He who tries to save his life will lose it. It's the man who loses his life for my sake that will save it. How's a man the better for gaining the whole world, if he loses himself, if he pays the forfeit of himself? If anyone is ashamed of acknowledging me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed to acknowledge him when he comes in his glory, with his Father and the holy angels to glorify him. Believe me, there are those standing here who will not taste of death before they have seen the kingdom of God. 
It was about a week after all this was said that he took Peter and John and James with him and went up onto the mountainside to pray. And even as he prayed, the fashion of his face was altered and his garments became white and dazzling. And two men appeared conversing with him, Moses and Elias, seen now in glory. And they spoke of the death which he was to achieve at Jerusalem. Meanwhile, Peter and his companions were sunk in sleep, and they awoke to see him in his glory and the two men standing with him. And just as these were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's well that we should be here. Let us make three arbors in this place, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. But he spoke at random. And even as he said it, a cloud formed, overshadowing them. They saw those others disappear into the cloud and were terrified. And a voice came from the cloud, This is my beloved Son, to him then listen. And as the voice sounded, Jesus was discovered alone. They kept silence, and at the time said nothing of what they had seen to anybody. It was on the next day that they came down from the mountain, and were met by a great multitude. And now, from the midst of this multitude, a man cried out, I entreat thee, Master, look with favour upon my son, he is my only child. There are times when a spirit seizes upon him, making him cry out suddenly, and throws him into a convulsion, foaming at the mouth. Then he goes away, but only with a pang which lacerates him. And I entreated thy disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, Ah, faithless and misguided generation, how long must I be with you? How long must I bear with you? Bring thy son here. And even as the boy was on his way, the devil threw him down in a convulsion. But Jesus checked the unclean spirit and cured the boy and gave him to his father, so that all were amazed at this great evidence of God's power. And while men were yet wondering at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Remember this well, the Son of Man is soon to be betrayed into the hands of men. For they could not understand what he said. It was hidden from them, so that they could not perceive the meaning of it, and they were afraid to ask him about this saying of his. And a question arose among them, which of them was the greatest? Jesus, who saw what was occupying their thoughts, took hold of a little child and gave it a place beside him, and said to them, He who welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and he who welcomes me welcomes him that sent me. He who is least in all your company is the greatest. And John answered, Master, we saw a man who does not follow in our company, casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him to do it. But Jesus said, Forbid him no more. The man who is not against you is on your side. And now the time was drawing near for his taking away from the earth, and he turned his eyes steadfastly towards the way that led to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before him who came into a Samaritan village to make all in readiness. But the Samaritans refused to receive him because his journey was in the direction of Jerusalem. When they found this, two of his disciples, James and John, asked him, Lord, wouldst thou have us bid fire come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. 
You do not understand, he said, what spirit it is you share. The Son of Man has come to save men's lives, not to destroy them. And so they passed on to another village. And as they went on their journey, a man said to him, I will follow thee wherever thou art going. But Jesus told him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air their resting places. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. And he answered, Lord, give me leave to go home and bury my father first. But Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their dead. It is for thee to go out and proclaim God's kingdom. And there was yet another who said, Lord, I will follow thee, but first let me take leave of my friends. To him, Jesus said, No one who looks behind him, when he's once put his hand to the plough, is fitted for the kingdom of God. After this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others, and sent them before him, two and two, into all the cities and villages he himself was to visit. The harvest, he told them, is plentiful enough, but the laborers are few. You must ask the Lord, to whom the harvest belongs, to send laborers out for the harvesting. Go then, and remember, I am sending you out to be like lambs among wolves. You are not to carry a purse, or wallet, or shoes. You are to give no one greeting on your way. When you enter a house, say first of all, Peace be to this house. And if those who dwell there are men of good will, your good wishes shall come down upon it. If not, they will come back to you the way they went. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they have to give you. The laborer has a right to his maintenance. Do not move from one house to another. When you enter a city and they make you welcome, be content to eat the fare they offer you and heal those who are sick there and tell them the kingdom of God is close upon you. But if you enter a city where they will not make you welcome, go out into their streets and say, We brush off in your faces the very dust from your city that has clung to our feet. And be sure of this, the kingdom of God is close at hand. I tell you, you shall go less hard with Sodom at the day of judgment than with that city. Woe to thee, Chorazin! Woe to thee, Bethsaida! Tyre and Sidon would have repented long ago, humbling themselves with sackcloth and ashes, if the miracles done in you had been done there instead. And indeed, it shall go less hard with Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than with you. And thou, Kephanem, dost thou hope to be lifted up high as heaven? Thou shalt be brought low as hell. He who listens to you listens to me. He who despises you despises me. And he who despises me despises him that sent me. And the seventy-two disciples came back full of rejoicing. Lord, they said, even the devils are made subject to us through thy name. He said to them, I watched while Satan was cast down like a lightning flash from heaven. Behold, I have given you the right to trample on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and take no hurt from it. But you, instead of rejoicing that the devils are made subject to you, should be rejoicing that your names are enrolled in heaven. At this time, Jesus was filled with gladness by the Holy Spirit and said, O Father, who art Lord of heaven and earth, I give thee praise 
that thou hast hidden all this from the wise and the prudent, and revealed it to little children. Be it so, Father, since this finds favour in thy sight. My Father has entrusted everything into my hands. None knows what the Son is except the Father, and none knows what the Father is except the Son, and those to whom it is the Son's good pleasure to reveal him. Then, turning to his own disciples, he said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. I tell you, there have been many prophets and kings who've longed to see what you see and never saw it, to hear what you hear and never heard it. It happened once that a lawyer rose up, trying to put him to the test. Master, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him, What is it that's written in the law? What is thy reading of it? And he answered, Thou shalt love the law of thy God with the love of thy whole heart, and thy whole soul, and thy whole strength, and thy whole mind, and thy neighbour as thyself. Thou hast answered right, he told him, Do this, and thou shalt find life. But he, to prove himself blameless, asked, And who is my neighbour? Jesus gave him his answer. A man who was on his way down from Jerusalem to Jericho fell in with robbers who stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. And a priest who chanced to be going down by the same road saw him there and passed by on the other side. And a Levite who came there saw him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on his travels saw him and took pity at the sight. He went up to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine into them, and so mounted him upon his own beast and brought him to an inn, where he took care of him. And next day he took out two silver pieces, which he gave to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and on my way home I will give thee whatever else is owing to thee for thy pains. Which of these, thinkest thou, proved himself a neighbour to the man who had fallen in with robbers? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, Go thy way, and do thou likewise. In one of the villages he entered during his journey, a woman called Martha entertained him in her house. She had a sister called Mary, and Mary took her place at the Lord's feet and listened to his words. Martha was distracted by waiting on many needs, so she came to his side and asked, Lord, art thou content that my sister should leave me to do the serving alone? Come, bid her help me. Jesus answered her, Martha, Martha, how many cares and troubles thou hast, but only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen for herself the best part of all, that which shall never be taken away from her. Once, when he had found a place to pray in, one of his disciples said to him, after his prayer was over, Lord, teach us to pray, as John did for his disciples. And he told them, When you pray, you are to say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, we too forgive all those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation. Let us suppose that one of you has a friend to whom he goes at dead of night and asks him, Lend me three loaves of bread, neighbour, 
a friend of mine has turned into me after a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And suppose the other answers from within doors, Do not put me to such trouble. The door is locked, my children and I are in bed. I cannot bestir myself to grant thy request. I tell you, even if he will not bestir himself to grant it out of friendship, shameless asking will make him rise and give his friend all that he needs. And I say the same to you. Ask, and the gift will come. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. Everyone that asks will receive, that seeks will find, that knocks will have the door open to him. Among yourselves, if a father is asked by his son for bread, will he give him a stone, or for a fish, will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he is asked for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Why then, if you, evil as you are, know well enough how to give your children what is good for them, is not your father much more ready to give from heaven his gracious spirit to those who ask him? He had just cast out a devil which was dumb, and no sooner had the devil gone out than the dumb man found speech. The multitudes were filled with amazement, but some of them said, It's through Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, that he cast the devils out, while others, to put him to the test, would have him show a sign out of heaven. But he could read their thoughts and said to them, No kingdom can be at war with itself without being brought to desolation, one house falling upon another. And how do you suppose that Satan's kingdom can stand firm if he's at war with himself, that you should accuse me of casting out devils through Beelzebub? Again, if it's through Beelzebub that I cast out devils, by what means do your own sons cast them out? It's for these, then, to pronounce judgment on you. But if, when I cast out devils, I do it through God's power, then it must be that the kingdom of God has suddenly appeared among you. When a strong man, fully armed, mounts guard over his own palace, his goods are left in peace. But when a man comes who is stronger still, he will take away all the armor that gave him confidence, and divide among others the spoils he has won. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather his store with me scatters it abroad. The unclean spirit, which has possessed a man and then goes out of him, walks about the desert looking for a resting place and finds none, and it says, I will go back to my own dwelling from which I came out. And it comes back to find that dwelling swept out and neatly set in order. Thereupon it goes away and brings in seven other spirits more wicked than itself to bear it company, and together they enter in and settle down there, till the last state of that man is worse than the first. Mancini Knox has a footnote here, and I'll read it out. Our Lord perhaps meant that the Jews, who had received the law and yet resisted the gospel, were in an even more unhappy state than the Gentiles, who had hitherto found no remedy against sin. He seems to warn us that the soul which has received great graces and does not correspond with them will make the worst shipwreck of its fortunes. I go back to the text. 
When he spoke thus, a woman in the multitude said to him aloud, Blessed is the womb that bore thee, the breast which thou hast sucked. And he answered, Shall we not say, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it? The multitudes gathered round him, and he began speaking to them thus, This is a wicked generation. It asks for a sign, and the only sign that will be given to it is the sign of the prophet Jonas. Jonas was the sign given to the men of Nineveh. The sign given to this generation will be the Son of Man. The Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation at the judgment and will leave them without excuse, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up with this generation at the judgment and will leave it without excuse, for they did penance when Jonas preached to them, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts it away in a cellar or under a bushel measure. It's put on the lampstand, so that its light may be seen by all who come in. Thy body has the eye for its lamp, and if thy eye is clear, the whole of thy body will be lit up. When it's diseased, the whole of thy body will be in darkness. Take good care, then, that this principle of light which is in thee is light, not darkness. Then, if thy whole body is in the light, with no part of it in darkness, it will be all lit up, as if by a bright lamp enlightening thee. At the time when he said this, one of the Pharisees invited him to his house for the midday meal. So he went in and sat down at table. The Pharisee, meanwhile, was inwardly surmising why he had not washed before his meal. And the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are content to cleanse the outward part of cup and dish, while all within is running with avarice and wickedness. Fools, did not he who made the outward part make the inward too? Nay, you should give alms out of the store you have, and at once all that is yours becomes clean. Woe upon you, you Pharisees, that will award God his tithe, though it be of mint or rue, or whatever herb you will, and leave on one side justice and the love of God. You do ill to forget one duty while you perform the other. Woe upon you, you Pharisees, for loving the first seats in the synagogues, and to have your hands kissed in the marketplace. Woe upon you, that are like hidden tombs, which men walk over without knowing it. And here one of the lawyers answered him, Master, he said, in speaking thus, thou art bringing us too into contempt. And he said, Woe upon you too, you lawyers, for loading men with packs too heavy to be borne, packs that you yourselves will not touch with one finger. Woe upon you, for building up the tombs of the prophets, the same prophets were murdered by your fathers. Sure witness that you approve what your fathers did, since you built tombs for the men they murdered. Whereupon the wisdom of God warns you, I will send my prophets and my apostles to them, and there will be some they will kill and persecute, so they will be answerable for all the blood of prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zacharias, who was killed between the altar and the temple. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held answerable for it. Woe upon you, you lawyers, for taking away with you the key of knowledge. 
you have neither entered yourselves nor let others enter when they would. As he said all this to them, the scribes and the Pharisees resolved to hunt him down mercilessly and to browbeat him with a multitude of questions. Thus they lay in wait for him, hoping to catch some word from his lips which would give them ground of accusation against him. And now great multitudes had gathered round him, so that they trod one another down, and he addressed himself first to his disciples. Have nothing to do with the leaven of the Pharisees, he said. It is all hypocrisy. What is veiled will all be revealed. What is hidden will all be known. What you have said in darkness will be repeated in the night of day. What you have whispered in secret chambers will be proclaimed on the housetops. And I say this to you who are my friends. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. I will tell you who it is you must fear. Fear him who has power not only to kill but to cast a man into hell. Him you must fear indeed. Are not sparrows sold five for two pence? And yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. As for you... He takes every hair of your head into his reckoning. Do not be afraid, then. You count for more than a host of sparrows. And I tell you this. Whoever acknowledges me before men will be acknowledged by the Son of Man in the presence of God's angels. He who disowns me before men will be disowned before God's angels. There's no one who speaks a word against the Son of Man but may find forgiveness. There will be no forgiveness for the man who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. When they bring you to trial before synagogues and magistrates and officers, do not consider anxiously what you are to say, what defense to make, or how to make it. The Holy Spirit will instruct you when the time comes what words to use. One of the multitude said to him, Master, bid my brother give me a share of our inheritance. And he answered, Why, man? Who has appointed me a judge to make awards between you? Then he said to them, Look well, and keep yourselves clear of all covetousness. A man's life does not consist in having more possessions than he needs. And he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose lands yielded a heavy crop, and he debated in his mind, What am I to do with no room to store my crops in? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will pull down my barns and build greater ones, and there I shall be able to store all my harvest and all the goods that are mine. And then I will say to my soul, Come, soul, thou hast goods in plenty laid up for many years to come. Take thy rest now, eat, drink, and make merry. And God said, Thou fool, this night thou must render up thy soul, and who will be master now of all thou hast laid by? Thus it is with a man who lays up treasure for himself and has no credit with God. Then he said to his disciples, I say to you then, do not fret over your life, how to support it with food, over your body, how to keep it clothed. Life is a greater gift than food, the body than clothing. See how the ravens never sow or reap, have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. 
Have you not an excellence far beyond theirs? Can any of you, for all his fretting, add a cubit's growth to his height? And if you are powerless to do so small a thing, why do you fret about your other needs? See how the lilies grow. They do not toil or spin, and yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God then so clothes the grasses which live today in the fields and will feed the oven tomorrow, will he not be much more ready to clothe you, men of little faith? You should not be asking then what you are to eat or drink and living in suspense of mind. It's for the heathen world to busy itself over such things. Your father knows well that you need them. No, make it your first care to seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be yours without the asking. Do not be afraid, you, my little flock. Your father has determined to give you his kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms, so providing yourselves with a purse that time cannot wear holes in, an inexhaustible treasure laid up in heaven, where no thief comes near, no moth consumes. Where your treasure house is, there your heart is too. Your loins must be girt, and your lamps burning, and you yourselves, like men, awaiting their master's return from a wedding feast, so that they may open to him at once when he comes and knocks at the door. Blessed are those servants whom their master will find watching when he comes. I promise you, he will gird himself and make them sit down to meet and minister to them. Whether he comes in the second quarter of the night or in the third, blessed are those servants if he finds them alert. Be sure of this, if the master of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and not allowed his house to be broken open. You too, then, must stand ready. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him. Hereupon Peter said to him, Lord, dost thou address this parable to us or to all men? And the Lord answered, Who then is a faithful and wise steward, one whom his master will entrust with the care of the household, to give them their allowance of food at the appointed time? Blessed is that servant who is found doing this when his Lord comes. I promise you, he will give him charge of all his goods. But if that servant says in his heart, my Lord is long in coming, and falls to beating the men and the maids, eating and drinking himself drunk. Then, on some day when he expects nothing, at an hour when he is all unaware, his Lord will come, and will cut him off, and assign him his portion with the unfaithful. Yet it is the servant who knew his Lord's will, and did not make ready for him, or do his will, that will have many strokes of the lash. He who did not know of it, yet earned a beating, will have only a few. Much will be asked of the man to whom much has been given. More will be expected of him, because he was entrusted with more. It is fire that I have come to spread over the earth, and what better wish can I have than that it should be kindled? There's a baptism I must needs be baptized with, and how impatient am I for its accomplishment. Do you think that I have come to bring peace on the earth? No, believe me, I have come to bring dissension. Henceforth, five in the same house will be found at variance, three against two and two against three. The father will be at variance with his son and the son with his father, the mother against her daughter and the daughter against her mother, 
the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And he said to the multitudes, When you find a cloud rising out of the west, you say at once, There's rain coming, and so it does. When you find the southwest wind blowing, you say, It will be hot, and so it is. Poor fools, you know well enough how to interpret the face of land and sky. Can you not interpret the times you live in? Does not your own experience teach you to make the right decision? Monsignor Knox has a footnote on that verse, Does not your experience teach you to make the right decision? He says, This verse seems to be a link between what went before and what follows. From the signs of their own times, that is, our Lord's miracles and so on, the Jews can satisfy themselves that the kingdom of God is at hand. Let them, then, use the same prudence in spiritual as they would in worldly affairs. Let them repent of their sins here and now before punishment comes upon them, just as they would be anxious to settle out of court a lawsuit which was likely to go against them. If one has a claim against thee, and thou art going with him to the magistrate, then do thy utmost, while thou art still on the road, to be quit of his claim. Or it may be he will drag thee into the presence of the judge, and the judge will hand thee over to his officer, and the officer will cast thee into prison. Be sure of this, thou wilt find no discharge from it until thou hast paid the last farthing. At this very time there were some present that told him the story of those Galileans whose blood Pilate had shed in the midst of their sacrifices. And Jesus said in answer, Do you suppose, because this befell them, that these men were worse sinners than all else in Galilee? I tell you, it's not so. You will all perish as they did, if you do not repent. What of those eighteen men on whom the tower fell in Siloe and killed them? Do you suppose that there was a heavier account against them than against any others who then dwelt at Jerusalem? I tell you, it was not so. You will all perish as they did, if you do not repent. And this was a parable he told them. There was a man that had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, but when he came and looked for fruit on it, he could find none. Whereupon he said to his vine dresser, See now, I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree for three years, and cannot find any. Cut it down. Why should it be a useless charge upon the land? But he answered thus, Sir, let it stand this year too, so that I may have time to dig and put down round it. Perhaps it will bear fruit. If not, it will be time to cut it down then. There was a Sabbath day on which he was preaching in one of their synagogues. Here there was a woman who for eighteen years had suffered under some influence that disabled her. She was bent down and could not lift her head straight. Jesus saw her and called her to him. Woman, he said, thou art rid of thy infirmity. Then he laid his hands on her and immediately she was raised upright, and gave praise to God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus should heal them on the Sabbath day, turned and said to the multitude, You have six days on which work is allowed. You should come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord gave him this answer, What, you hypocrites, is there any one of you that will not untie his ox or his ass from the stall, and take them down to water, when it's the Sabbath? And here is this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound these eighteen years past, 
Was it wrong that she should be delivered on the Sabbath day from bonds like these? All his adversaries were put to shame by this saying of his, and the whole multitude rejoiced over the marvellous works he did. He said, What is there that bears a likeness to the kingdom of heaven? What comparison shall I find for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed that a man has taken and planted in his garden, where it has thriven and grown into a great tree, and all the birds have come and settled in its branches. And again he said, What comparison shall I find for the kingdom of heaven? It's like leaven that a woman has taken and buried away in three measures of meal, enough to leaven the whole batch. And so he went through the cities and villages teaching and making his journey towards Jerusalem. There was a man that said to him, Lord, is it only a few that are to be saved? Whereupon he said to them, Fight your way in at the narrow door. I tell you, there are many who will try and will not be able to enter. When the master of the house has gone in and shut the door, you will fall to beating on the door as you stand without and saying, Lord, open to us. But this will be his answer. I know nothing of you, nor whence you come. Thereupon you will fall to protesting, We've eaten and drunk in thy presence, thou hast taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I know nothing of you, nor whence you come. Depart from me, you that traffic in iniquity. Weeping shall there be, a gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets within God's kingdom, while you yourselves are cast out. Others will come from the east and the west, the north and the south, to take their ease in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are some who are last and shall then be first, some who are first and shall then be last. It was on that day that some of the Pharisees came to him and said, Go elsewhere and leave this place. Herod has a mind to kill thee. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, today and tomorrow I am to continue casting out devils and doing works of healing. It's on the third day that I am to reach my consummation. But today and tomorrow and the next day I must go on my journeys. There's no room for a prophet to meet his death except at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, still murdering the prophets and stoning the messengers that are sent to thee. How often have I been ready to gather thy children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and thou didst refuse it. Behold, your house is left to you, a house uninhabited. I tell you, you shall see nothing of me until the time comes when you will be saying, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. There was a Sabbath day on which he was asked to take a meal with one of the chief Pharisees, and as he went into the house they were watching him. Here his eye was met by the sight of a man who had the dropsy. Jesus asked the lawyers and the Pharisees openly, Is healing allowed on the Sabbath day? Then, as they did not answer, he took the man by the hand and sent him away healed. And he turned on them and said, Is there any one of you who will not pull out his ass or his ox immediately if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath? To this they could make no answer. He also had a parable for the guests who were invited, as he observed how they chose the chief places for themselves. He said to them, When any man invites thee to a wedding, do not sit down in the chief place. He may have invited some guest whose rank is greater than thine. If so, 
his host and thine will come and say to thee, Make room for this man. And so thou wilt find thyself taking with a blush the lowest place of all. Rather, when thou art summoned, go straight to the lowest place and sit down there. So when he who invited thee comes in, he will say, My friend, go higher than this, and then honour shall be thine before all that sit down in thy company. Everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. He said moreover to his host, When thou givest a dinner or a supper, do not ask thy neighbours to come, or thy brethren, or thy kindred, or thy friends who are rich. It may be they will send thee invitations in return, and so thou wilt be recompensed for thy pains. Rather, when thou givest hospitality, invite poor men to come, the cripples, the lame, the blind. So thou shalt win a blessing, for these cannot make thee any return. Thy reward will come when the just rise again. Hearing this, one of his fellow guests said to him, Blessed is the man who shall feast in the kingdom of God. He answered him thus, There was a man that gave a great supper and sent out many invitations. And when the time came for his supper, he sent one of his own servants, telling the invited guests to come, for all was now ready. And all of them, with one accord, began making excuses. I have bought a farm, the first said to him, and I must needs go and look over it. I pray thee, count me excused. And another said, I have bought five pair of oxen, and I am on my way to make trial of them. I pray thee, count me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and so I am unable to come. The servant came back and told his master all this, whereupon the host fell into a rage and said to his servant, Quick, go out into the streets and lanes of the city, bring in the poor, the cripples, the blind and the lame. And when the servant told him, Sir, all has been done according to thy command, but there is room left still, the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedgerows, and give them no choice but to come in, that so my house may be filled. I tell you, none of those who are first invited shall taste of my supper. Great multitudes bore him company on his way. To these he turned and said, If any man comes to me without hating his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yes, and his own life too, he can be no disciple of mine. A man cannot be my disciple unless he takes up his own cross and follows after me. Consider, if one of you has a mind to build a tower, does he not first sit down and count the cost that must be paid if he is to have enough to finish it? Is he to lay the foundation and then find himself unable to complete the work, so that all who see it will fall to mocking him and saying, Here is a man who began to build and could not finish his building? Or if a king is setting out to join battle with another king, does he not first sit down and deliberate whether with his army of ten thousand he can meet the onset of one who has twenty thousand? If he cannot, then, while the other is still at a distance, he dispatches envoys to ask for conditions of peace. And so it is with you. None of you can be my disciple if he does not take leave of all that he possesses. Salt is a good thing, but if the salt itself becomes tasteless, what is there left to give taste to it? It's of no use either to the soil or to the dung heap. It will be thrown away altogether. Listen, 
you that have ears to hear with. When they found all the publicans and sinners coming to listen to him, the Pharisees and scribes were indignant. Here is a man, they said, that entertains sinners and eats with them. Whereupon he told them this parable. If any of you owns a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does he not leave the other ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders rejoicing, and so goes home, and calls his friends and his neighbours together. Rejoice with me, he says to them, I have found my sheep that was lost. So it is, I tell you, in heaven, there will be more rejoicing over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine souls that are justified and have no need of repentance. Or if some woman has ten silver pieces by her, and has lost one of them, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls her friends and her neighbours together. Rejoice with me, she says, I found the silver piece which I lost. So it is, I tell you, with the angels of God. There is joy among them over one sinner that repents. Then he said, There was a certain man who had two sons. And the younger of these said to his father, Father, Give me that portion of the estate which falls to me. So he divided his property between them. Not many days afterwards, the younger son put together all that he had and went on his travels to a far country, where he wasted his fortune in riotous living. Then, when all was spent, a great famine arose in that country, and he found himself in want, whereupon he went and attached himself to a citizen of that country, who put him on his farm to feed swine. He would have been glad to fill his belly with husks, such as the swine used to eat, but none was ready to give them to him. Then he came to himself and said, How many hired servants there are in my father's house, who have more bread than they can eat, and here am I, perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am not worthy now to be called thy son. Treat me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and went on his way to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and took pity on him. Running up, he threw his arms round his neck and kissed him. And when the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, I am not worthy now to be called thy son, the father gave orders to his servants, Bring out the best robe and clothe him in it, Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Then bring out the calf that has been fattened and kill it. Let us eat and make merry. For my son here was dead and has come to life again, was lost and is found. And so they began their merry-making. The elder son, meanwhile, was away on the farm, and on his way home, as he drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. Whereupon he called one of the servants and asked what all this meant. He told him, Thy brother has come back, and thy father has killed a fattened calf, glad to have him restored, safe and sound. At this he fell into a rage and would not go in. When his father came out and tried to win him over, he answered his father thus, Think how many years I have lived as thy servant, never transgressing thy commands, and thou hast never made me a present of a kid to make merry with my friends. And now, when the son of thine has come home, one that is swallowed up his patrimony in the company of harlots, 
thou hast killed the fattened calf in his honour. He said to him, My son, thou art always at my side, and everything that I have is already thine. But for this merrymaking and rejoicing there was good reason. Thy brother here was dead, and has come to life again, was lost, and is found. And he said to his disciples, There was a rich man that had a steward, and a report came to him that this steward had wasted his goods. Whereupon he sent for him and said to him, What is this that I hear of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou canst not be my steward any longer. At this the steward said to himself, What am I to do now that my master is taking my stewardship away from me? I have no strength to dig. I would be ashamed to beg for alms. I see what I must do, so as to be welcomed into men's houses when I am dismissed from my stewardship. Then he summoned his master's debtors, one by one, and he said to the first, How much is it that thou owest my master? A hundred firkins of oil, he said. And he told him, Here is thy bill, quick, sit down, and write it as fifty. Then he said to a second, And thou, how much dost thou owe? A hundred quarters of wheat, he said. And he told him, Here is thy bill, write it as eighty. And this knavish steward was commended by his master for his prudence in what he had done. For indeed, the children of this world are more prudent after their own fashion than the children of the light. And my counsel to you is, make use of your base wealth to win yourselves friends, who, when you leave it behind, will welcome you into eternal habitations. Mancini Knox has a footnote here which I'll read out. The chief lesson of this parable seems to be that we should do service to God by giving alms to the poor while we still have time for it. The steward was prudent in making himself friends before the audit of his accounts while he still had money to do it. So we must give alms while life still lasts. It is doubtful whether we are meant to interpret the parable more closely than this. I go back to the text. He who is trustworthy over a little sum is trustworthy over a greater. He who plays false over a little sum plays false over a greater. If you, then, could not be trusted to use the base riches you had, who will put the true riches in your keeping? Who will give you property of your own, if you could not be trusted with what was only lent you. No servant can be in the employment of two masters at once. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devote himself to the one and despise the other. You must serve God or money. You cannot serve both. The Pharisees, who were fond of riches, heard all this and poured scorn on him. And he said to them, You are always courting the approval of men, but God sees your hearts. What is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in God's sight. The law and the prophets lasted until John's time. Since that time, it's the kingdom of heaven that has its preachers, and all who will press their way into it. And yet it's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for one line of the law to perish. Every man who puts away his wife and marries another is an adulterer, and he too is an adulterer that marries a woman who has been put away. There was a rich man once 
that was clothed in purple and lawn and feasted sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar called Lazarus who lay at his gate, covered with sores, wishing that he could be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, but none was ready to give them to him. The very dogs came and licked his sores. Time went on. The beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died too and found his grave in hell. And there, in his suffering, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he said with a loud cry, Father Abraham, take pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, My son, remember that thou didst receive thy good fortune in thy lifetime, and Lazarus no less his ill fortune. Now he is in comfort, thou in torment. And besides all this, there is a great gulf fixed between us and you, so that there is no passing from our side of it to you, no crossing over to us from yours. Whereupon he said, Then, Father, I pray thee, send him to my own father's house, for I have five brethren. Let him give these a warning, so that they may not come in their turn into this place of suffering. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to these. They will not do that, Father Abraham, said he, but if a messenger comes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he answered him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will be unbelieving still, though one should rise from the dead. And he said to his disciples, It is impossible that hurt should never be done to men's consciences. But woe betide the man who is the cause of it. Better for him to have had a millstone tied about his neck and to be cast into the sea than to have hurt the conscience of one of these little ones. Keep good watch over yourselves. As for thy brother, if he is in fault, tax him with it, and if he is sorry for it, forgive him. Nay, if he does thee wrong seven times in the day, and seven times in the day comes back to thee and says, I am sorry, thou shalt forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, Give us more faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith, though it were as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this mulberry tree, Uproot thyself, and plant thyself in the sea, and it would obey you. If any one of you had a servant following the plough or herding the sheep, would he say to him when he came back from the farm, Go and fall to at once? Would he not say to him, Prepare my supper, and then curd thyself, and wait upon me while I eat and drink? Thou shalt eat and drink thyself afterwards. Does he hold himself bound in gratitude to such a servant for obeying his commands? I do not think it of him. And you, in the same way, when you have done all that was commanded you, are to say, We are servants and worthless. It was our duty to do what we have done. A time came when he was on his way to Jerusalem and was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men that were lepers came towards him. They stood far off and crying aloud, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. He met them with the words, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And thereupon, as they went, they were made clean. One of them, finding that he was cured, came back, praising God aloud, 
and threw himself at Jesus' feet with his face to the ground to thank him. And this was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, Were not all ten made clean? And the other nine, where are they? Not one has come back to give God the praise except this stranger. And he said to him, Arise and go on thy way. Thy faith has brought thee recovery. Upon being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God was to come, he answered, The kingdom of God comes unwatched by men's eyes. There will be no saying, See, it is here, or see, it is there. The kingdom of God is here within you. And to his own disciples he said, The time will come when you will long to enjoy, but for a day, the Son of Man's presence, and it will not be granted you. There's a footnote here. Mancini Knox says, Some think this means that in the time of persecution the apostles will sigh for the glories of heaven. Others, that they will look back with regret to the days when their master was on earth. I go back to the text. And to his own disciples he said, The time will come when you will long to enjoy, but for a day, the Son of Man's presence, and it will not be granted you. Men will be saying to you, See, he is here, or see, he is there. Do not turn aside and follow them. The Son of Man, when his time comes, will be like the lightning, which lightens from one border of heaven to the other. But before that, he must undergo many sufferings and be rejected by this generation. In the days when the Son of Man comes, all will be as it was in the days of Noah. They ate, they drank, they married and were given in marriage until the day when Noah went into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. So it was too in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank, they bought and sold, they planted and built. But on the day when Lot went out of Sodom, a rain of fire and brimstone came from heaven and destroyed them all. And so it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, if a man is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them with him. And if a man is in the fields, he too must beware of turning back. Remember Lot's wife. The man who tries to save his own life will lose it. It's the one who loses it that will keep it safe. I tell you, on that night, where two men are sleeping in one bed, one will be taken and the other left. One woman taken, one left, as they grind together at the mill. One man taken, one left, as they work together in the fields. Then they answered him, Where, Lord? And he told them, It is where the body lies that the eagles will gather. Mancini Knox puts a footnote in here which I'll read. Our Lord says that at the time when the false prophets arise, it will be easy to answer the question where the danger is coming from, just as it is easy for a man who sees dead carrion to prophesy where the birds will gather. And he told them a parable, showing them that they ought to pray continually and never be discouraged. There was a city once, he said, in which lived a judge who had no fear of God, no regard for man. And there was a widow in this city, who used to come before him and say, Give me redress against one who wrongs me. For a time he refused, but then he said to himself, 
Fear of God I have none, nor regard for man, but this widow wearies me. I will give her a dress, or she will wear me down at last with her visits. Listen, the Lord said, to the words of the unjust judge, and tell me, will not God give redress to his elect when they are crying out to him day and night? Will he not be impatient with their wrongs? I tell you, he will give them redress with all speed. But ah, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith left on the earth? There were some who had confidence in themselves, thinking they had won acceptance with God and despised the rest of the world. To them he addressed this other parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood upright and made this prayer in his heart. I thank thee, God, that I am not like the rest of men who steal and cheat and commit adultery, or like this publican here. For myself, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican stood far off. He would not even lift up his eyes towards heaven. He only beat his breast and said, God be merciful to me, I am a sinner. I tell you, this man went back home higher in God's favour than the other. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the man who humbles himself will be exalted. Then they brought little children to him, asking him to touch them. The disciples saw them and rebuked them for it. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let them be, do not keep them back from me. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Believe me, the man who does not accept the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And one of the rulers asked him, Master, who art so good, what must I do to win eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why dost thou call me good? None is good except God only. Thou knowest the commandments, Thou shalt do no murder, Thou shalt not commit adultery, Thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not bear false witness, Honour thy father and thy mother. I have kept all these, he said, Ever since I grew up. When he heard that, Jesus said, In one thing thou art still wanting, Sell all that belongs to thee, And give to the poor, So the treasure thou hast shall be in heaven. Then come back and follow me. The answer filled him with sadness, for he was very rich. And Jesus, seeing his mournful look, said, With what difficulty will those who have riches enter God's kingdom? It's easier for a camel to pass through a needle's eye than for a man to enter the kingdom of God when he is rich. But when he was asked by those who were listening to him, Why then, who can be saved? He told them, what is impossible to man's powers is possible to God. Hereupon Peter said, And what of us? We have forsaken all that was ours and followed thee. Jesus said to them, I promise you, everyone who has forsaken home or parents or brethren or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will receive in this present world many times their worth and in the world to come everlasting life. Then he took the twelve apostles aside and warned them, Now we are going up to Jerusalem, and all that has been written by the prophets about the Son of Man is to be accomplished. He will be given up to the Gentiles, and mocked, and beaten, and spat upon. They will scourge him, and then they will kill him. But on the third day he will rise again.
They could make nothing of all this. His meaning was hidden from them, so that they could not understand what he said. When he came near Jericho, there was a blind man sitting there by the wayside, begging. And he, hearing a multitude passing by, asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was going past. Whereupon he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. Those who were in front rebuked him and told him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have pity on me. Then Jesus stopped and gave orders that the man should be brought to him. And when he came close, he asked him, What wouldst thou have me do for thee? Lord, he said, Give me back my sight. Jesus said to him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has brought thee recovery. And at once the man recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. All the people, too, gave praise to God at seeing it. He had entered Jericho and was passing through it. And here a rich man named Zacchaeus, the chief publican, was trying to distinguish which was Jesus, but could not do so because of the multitude, being a man of small stature. So he ran on in front and climbed up into a sycamore tree to catch sight of him, since he must needs pass that way. Jesus, when he reached the place, looked up and saw him. Zacchaeus, he said, make haste and come down. I am to lodge today at thy house. And he came down with all haste and gladly made him welcome. When they saw it, all took it amiss. He's gone into lodge, they said, with one who's a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood upright and said to the Lord, Here and now, Lord, I give half of what I have to the poor. And if I have wronged anyone in any way, I make restitution of it fourfold. Jesus turned to him and said, Today salvation has been brought to this house. He too is the son of Abraham. That is what the Son of Man has come for, to search out and to save what was lost. While they stood listening, he went on and told them a parable. This was because he had now nearly reached Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He told them then, There was a man of noble birth who went away to a distant country to have the royal title bestowed on him, and so return. And he summoned ten of his servants, to whom he gave ten pounds, and said to them, Trade with this while I am away. But his fellow citizens hated him, and sent ambassadors after him to say, We will not have this man for our king. Afterwards, when he came back as king, he sent for the servants, to whom he had entrusted the money, to find out how much each of them had gained by his use of it. The first came before him and said, Lord, thy pound has made ten pounds. And he said to him, Well done, my true servant. Since thou hast been faithful over a very little, thou shalt have authority over ten cities. The second came and said, Lord, thy pound has made five pounds. And to him he said, Thou too shalt have authority over five cities. Then another came and said, Lord, here is thy pound. I have kept it laid up in a handkerchief. I was afraid of thee, knowing how exacting a man thou art. Thou dost claim while thou didst never venture, dost reap what thou didst never sow. Then he said to him, Thou false servant, I take thy judgment from thy own lips. Thou knewest 
that I was an exacting man, claiming what I never ventured, and reaping what I never sowed. Then why didst thou not put my money into the bank, so that I might have recovered it with interest when I came? Then he gave orders to those who stood by, Take the pound away from him, and give it to the man who has ten pounds. They said to him, Lord, he has ten pounds already. Nay, but I tell you, if ever a man is rich, gifts will be made to him, and his riches will abound. If he is poor, even the little he has will be taken from him. But as for those enemies of mine who refuse to have me for their king, bring them here, and kill them in my presence. And when he had spoken thus, he went on his way, going up to Jerusalem. After this, when he was approaching Bethphage and Bethany, close to the mountain which is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples on an errand. Go into the village that faces you, he told them, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tethered there, one on which no man has yet ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anybody asks you, why are you untying it, this must be your answer. The Lord has need of it. So the two he had appointed went on their way and found the colt standing there, just as he had told them. As they were untying it, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, Because the Lord has need of it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and spread out their garments on it and bade Jesus mount. As he went, they strewed the road with their garments, and when he drew near the descent of Mount Olivet, the whole company of his disciples began rejoicing and praising God for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King, they said, who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace on earth and glory in heaven above. Some of the Pharisees who were among the multitude said to him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. But he answered, I tell you, if they should keep silence, the stones will cry out instead. And as he drew near and caught sight of the city, he wept over it and said, Ah, if thou too couldst understand, above all, in this day that is granted thee, the ways that can bring thee peace, as it is, they are hidden from thy sight. The days will come upon thee, when thy enemies will fence thee round about, and encircle thee, and press thee hard on every side, and bring down in ruin both thee and thy children that are in thee, not leaving one stone of thee upon another, and all because thou didst not recognize the time of my visiting thee. Then he went into the temple, and began driving out those who sold and bought there. It's written, he told them, My house is a house of prayer, and you have made it into a den of thieves. And he taught in the temple daily. The chief priests and scribes and the leading men among the people were eager to make away with him, but they could not find any means to do it, because all the people hung upon his words. One day, as he taught the people and preached to them in the temple, the chief priests and scribes with the elders came up and said to him, Tell us, what is the authority by which thou doest these things, and who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered them, I too have a question to ask. You must tell me this, whence did John's baptism come, from heaven or from men? Whereupon they cast about in their minds. If we tell him it was from heaven, they said, he will ask, Then why did you not believe him? And if we say it was from men, all the people will be ready to stone us. They will have it that John was a prophet. 
so they answered that they could not tell whence it came. Jesus said to them, And you will not learn from me what is the authority by which I do these things. And now he took occasion to tell the people this parable. There was a man who planted a vineyard and let it out to some vine dressers, while he went away to spend a long time abroad. And when the season came, he sent one of his servants on an errand to the vine dressers, bidding them pay him his share of the vineyard's revenues. Whereupon the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant, and him too they sent away empty-handed, beating him first and insulting him. Then he sent a third, and they drove him away wounded like the others. So the owner of the vineyard said, What am I to do? I will send my well-beloved son. Perhaps they will have reverence for him. But the vine-dressers, on seeing him, debated thus among themselves, This is the heir. Let us kill him, so that his inheritance may pass into our hands. And they thrust him out of the vineyard and killed him. And now, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and make an end of those vine-dressers, and give his vineyard to others. God forbid, they said, when they heard that. But he fastened his eyes on them and said, Why then, what is the meaning of those words which have been written? The very stone which the builders rejected has become the chief stone at the corner. If ever a man falls against that stone, he will break his bones. If it falls upon him, it will grind him to powder. At this the chief priests and scribes would gladly have laid hands on him there and then, but they were afraid of the people. They saw clearly that this parable of his was aimed at them. And so, watching for their opportunity, they sent agents of their own, who pretended to be men of honest purpose, to fasten on his words. Then they would hand him over to the supreme authority of the governor. These put a question to him. Master, they said, we know that thou art direct in thy talk and thy teaching. Thou makest no distinction between man and man, but teachest the way of God in all sincerity. Is it right that we should pay tribute to Caesar or not? And he, aware of their malice, said to them, Why do you put me thus to the test? Show me a silver piece. Whose likeness, whose name does it bear inscribed on it? When they answered, Caesar's, he told them, Why then? Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they said no more. They were full of admiration at his answer, finding no means of discrediting his words in the eyes of the people. Then he was approached with a question by some of the Sadducees, men who deny the resurrection. Master, they said, Moses prescribed for us, if a man has a married brother who dies without issue, the surviving brother must marry the widow and beget children in the dead brother's name. There were seven brethren, the first of whom married a wife and died without issue. So the next took her and also died without issue, then the third, and so with all the seven. They left no children when they died, and the woman herself died last of all. And now, when the dead rise again, which of these will be her husband, since she was wife to all seven? Jesus told them, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage, but those who are found worthy to attain that other world and resurrection from the dead take neither wife nor husband. Mortal no longer, they will be as the angels in heaven are, children of God, now that the resurrection has given them birth. But as for the dead rising again, 
Moses himself was told of it in the passage about the burning bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. It's of living men, not of dead men, that he's the God. For him all men are alive. At this some of the scribes answered, Master, thou hast spoken well. No one dared to try him with further questions. Then he said to them, What do they mean by saying that Christ is the son of David? Why, David himself says in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my master, Sit on my right hand, while I make thy enemies a footstool under thy feet. Thus David calls Christ his master. How can he also be his son? And he said to his disciples in the hearing of all the people, Beware of the scribes who enjoy walking in long robes and love to have their hands kissed in the marketplace and to take the first seats in the synagogues and the chief places at feasts, who swallow up the property of widows under cover of their long prayers. Their sentence will be all the heavier for that. And he looked up and saw the rich folk putting their gifts into the treasury. He saw also one poor widow who put in two mites. Thereupon he said, Believe me, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. The others all made an offering to God out of what they had to spare. She, with so little to give, put in her whole livelihood. There were some who spoke to him of the temple, of the noble masonry and the offerings which adorned it. To these he said, The days will come when of all this fabric you contemplate not one stone will be left on another. It will all be thrown down. And they asked him, Master, when will this be? What sign will be given when it is soon to be accomplished? Take care, he said, that you do not allow anyone to deceive you. Many will come making use of my name. They will say, Here I am, the time is close at hand. Do not turn aside after them. And when you hear wars and revolts, do not be alarmed by it. Such things must happen first, but the end will not come all at once. Then he told them, Nation will rise in arms against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes in this region or that, and plagues and famines, and sights of terror and great portents from heaven. Before all this, men will be laying hands on you and persecuting you. They will give you up to the synagogues and to prison and drag you into the presence of kings and governors on my account. That will be your opportunity for making the truth known. Resolve then not to prepare your manner of answering beforehand. I will give you such eloquence and such wisdom as all your adversaries shall not be able to withstand or to confute. You will be given up by parents and brethren and kinsmen and friends, and some of you will be put to death. All the world will be hating you because you bear my name, and yet no hair of your head shall perish. It's by endurance that you will secure possession of your souls. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, Be sure that the time has come when she will be laid waste. Then those who are in Judea must take refuge in the mountains, those who are in the city itself withdrawing from it, and those who are in the countryside not making their way into it. These will be days of vengeance, bringing fulfillment of all that has been written. It will go hard with women who are with child or have children at the breast in those days. It will be a time of bitter distress all over the land, and retribution against this people. 
they will be put to the sword and led away into captivity all over the world, and Jerusalem will be trodden under the feet of the Gentiles until the time granted to the Gentile nations has run out. The sun and the moon and the stars will give portents, and on earth the nations will be in distress, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and of its waves. Men's hearts will be dried up with fear as they await the troubles that are overtaking the whole world. The very powers of heaven will rock, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with his full power and majesty. When all this begins, look up and lift up your heads. It means that the time draws near for your deliverance. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree or any of the trees. When they put out their fruit, you know by your own experience that summer is near. Just so, when you see this happen, be sure that the kingdom of God is close at hand. Believe me, this generation will not have passed before all this is accomplished. Though heaven and earth should pass away, my words will stand. Only look well to yourselves. Do not let your hearts grow dull with revelry and drunkenness and the affairs of this life, so that that day overtakes you unawares. It will come like the springing of a trap on all those who dwell upon the face of the earth. Keep watch, then, praying at all times, so that you may be found worthy to come safe through all that lies before you, and stand erect to meet the presence of the Son of Man. Each day he went on teaching in the temple, and at night he lodged on the mountain which is called Olivet, and all the people waited for him at early morning in the temple to listen to him. We've now come to the last three chapters of St. Luke's Gospel, and it might be a good thing to renew our desire to profit from this hearing of the Word of God so that we grow in the knowledge and love of our Lord. It's the last few days of our Lord's life on earth. And now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Paschal Feast, as it is called, was drawing near. The chief priests and scribes were still at a loss for some means of making away with him, frightened as they were of the people. But now Satan found his way into the heart of Judas, who was also called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And he went off and conferred with the chief priests and magistrates about the means to betray Jesus. These gladly consented to pay him a sum of money, so he promised to do it and looked about for an opportunity to hand him over without any commotion. Then the day of unleavened bread came. On this day the paschal victim must be killed. And Jesus sent Peter and John on an errand. Go and make ready for us, he said, to eat the paschal meal. When they asked him, Where wouldst thou have us make ready? He said to them, Just as you are entering the city, you will be met by a man carrying a jar of water. Follow him into the house to which he is going, and there you will say to the owner of the house, The master sends word, Where is the room in which I am to eat the paschal meal with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished. It is there that you are to make ready. So they went and found all as he had told them, and so made ready for the paschal meal. And when the time came, he sat down with his twelve disciples. And he said to them, I have longed and longed to share this paschal meal with you before my passion. I tell you, I shall not eat it again till it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and blessed it and said, Take this and share it among you. 
I tell you, I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine again till the kingdom of God has come. Then he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this for a commemoration of me. And so with the cup, when supper was ended, This cup, he said, is the New Testament in my blood, which is to be shed for you. And now the hand of my betrayer rests on this table at my side. The Son of Man goes on his way, for so it has been ordained. But woe upon that man by whom he is to be betrayed. Thereupon they felt a surmising among themselves which of them it was that would do this. And there was rivalry between them over the question which of them was to be accounted the greatest. But he told them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who bear rule over them win the name of benefactors. With you it is not to be so. No difference is to be made among you between the greatest and the youngest of all, between him who commands and him who serves. Tell me, which is greater, the man who sits at table or the man who serves him? Surely, the man who sits at table, yet I am here among you as your servant. You are the men who have kept to my side in my hours of trial, and as my father has allotted a kingdom to me, so I allot to you a place to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. You shall sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has claimed power over you all, so that he can sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith may not fail. When, after a while, thou hast come back to me, it is for thee to be the support of thy brethren. Lord, said he, I am ready to bear thee company, though it were to prison or to death. But he answered, I tell thee, Peter, by cockcrow this morning, thou wilt thrice have denied knowledge of me. Then he said to them, Did you go in want of anything when I sent you out without purse or wallet or shoes? They told him nothing, and he said, But now it's time for a man to take his purse with him if he has one, and his wallet too, and to sell his cloak and buy a sword if he has none. Believe me, one word has been written that has yet to find its fulfilment in me, and he was counted among the malefactors. Sure enough, all that has been written of me must be fulfilled. See, Lord, they told him, here are two swords. And he said to them, That is enough. There's a footnote here by Monsignor Knox. He says, Our Lord seems to suggest in irony that since he is to be apprehended like a robber, it is time that his companions should go armed like robbers, no longer in the peaceable manner of apostles. I go back to the text. And now he went out, as his custom was, to Mount Olivet, his disciples following him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Then he parted from them, going a stone's throw off, and knelt down to pray. Father, he said, if it pleases thee, take away this chalice from before me, only as thy will is, not as mine is. And he had sight of an angel from heaven, encouraging him. And now he was in an agony and prayed still more earnestly. His sweat fell to the ground like thick drops of blood. When he rose from his prayer, he went back to his disciples and found that they were sleeping, overwrought with sorrow. How can you sleep? he asked. Rise up and pray, 
so that you may not enter into temptation. Even as he spoke, a multitude came near. Their guide was the man called Judas, one of the twelve, who came close to Jesus to kiss him. Jesus said to him, Judas, would thou betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Then those who were about him, seeing what would come of it, asked, Lord, shall we strike out with our swords? And one of them struck a servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Jesus answered, Let them have their way in this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and temple officers and elders who had come out to find him, Have you come out with swords and clubs, as if I were a robber? I was close to you in the temple, day after day, and you never laid hands on me. But your time has come now, and darkness has its will. So they apprehended him, and led him away to the house of the high priest, and Peter followed at a long distance. They had lit a fire in the midst of the court, and were sitting round it, and there Peter sat among them. One of the maidservants, as she saw him sitting there in the firelight, looked closely at him and said, This is one of those who were with him. And he disowned him. Woman, he said, I have no knowledge of him. After a short while, another of the company said, when he caught sight of him, Thou too art one of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. Then there was an interval of about an hour, before another man insisted, It's the truth that this man was in his company. Why, he's a Galilean. Man, said Peter, I do not understand what thou meanest. And all at once, while the words were on his lips, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what the Lord had said to him, Before cock crow, thou wilt thrice disown me. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. The men who held Jesus prisoner beat him and mocked him. They blindfolded him and struck him on the face, and then questioned him, Come, prophesy, tell us who it is that smote thee. And they used many other blasphemous words against him. When day came, all the elders of the people, chief priests and scribes, brought him before their council. If thou art the Christ, they said, tell us. Why, he said, if I tell you, you will never believe me. And if I ask you questions, I know you will not answer them, nor acquit me. I will only tell you that a time is coming when the Son of Man will be seated in power at God's right hand. And they all said, Thou art then the Son of God. He told them, Your own lips have said that I am. And they said, What further need have we of witnesses? We have heard the words from his own mouth. Then the whole assembly of them rose up and brought him before Pilate, and there fell to accusing him. We have discovered, they said, that this man is subverting the loyalty of our people, forbids the payment of tribute to Caesar, and calls himself Christ the King. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the King of the Jews? He answered him, Thy own lips have said it. Pilate said to the chief priests and the multitudes, I cannot find any fault in this man. But they insisted. He rouses sedition among the people. He has gone round the whole of Judea preaching, beginning in Galilee and ending here. Pilate, upon the mention of Galilee, asked whether the man was a Galilean, and learning that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, remitted his cause to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at this time. 
Herod was overjoyed at seeing Jesus. For a long time he had been eager to have sight of him, because he had heard so much of him, and now he hoped to witness some miracle of his. He asked him many questions, but could get no answer from him, although the chief priests and scribes stood there loudly accusing him. So Herod and his attendants made a jest of him, arraying him in festal attire out of mockery, and sent him back to Pilate. That day Herod and Pilate, who had hitherto been at enmity with one another, became friends. And now Pilate summoned the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and said to them, You have brought this man before me as one who seduces the people from their allegiance. I examined him in your presence, and could find no substance in any of the charges you bring against him, nor could Herod, when I referred you to him. It's plain that he's done nothing which deserves death. I will scourge him, and then he shall go free. At the festival he was obliged to grant them the liberty of one prisoner, but the whole concourse raised the cry, Away with this man, we must have Barabbas released. Barabbas was a man who had been thrown into prison for raising a revolt in a city and for murder. Once more Pilate spoke to them, offering to set Jesus at liberty, but they continued to answer with shouts of, Crucify him, crucify him. Then for the third time he said to them, Why, what wrong has he done? I can find no fault in him that deserves death. I will scourge him, and then he shall go free. But they, with loud cries, insisted on their demand that he should be crucified, and their voices carried the day. Pilate gave his assent that their request should be granted, releasing the man of their choice, who had been imprisoned for revolt and murder, while he handed Jesus over to their will. As they laid him off, they caught hold of a man called Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and loaded him with a cross, so that he should carry it after Jesus. Jesus was followed by a great multitude of the people, and also women who beat their breasts and mourned over him. But he turned to them and said, It's not for me that you should weep, daughters of Jerusalem. You should weep for yourselves and your children. Behold, a time is coming when men will say, It's well for the barren, for the wombs that never bore children, and the breasts that never suckled them. It is then that they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. If it goes so hard with a tree that is still green, what will become of the tree that's already dried up? Two others, who were criminals, were led off with him to be put to death. And when they reached the place which is named after a skull, they crucified him there, and also the two criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus, meanwhile, was saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what it is they are doing. And they divided his garments among themselves by lot. The people stood by, watching, and the rulers joined them in pouring scorn on him. He saved others, they said. If he is the Christ, God's chosen, let him save himself. The soldiers too mocked him when they came and offered him vinegar, by saying, If thou art the king of the Jews, save thyself. A proclamation had been written up over him in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the two thieves who hung there felt a blaspheming against him. Save thyself, he said, and us too, if thou art the Christ. But the other rebuked him. What, he said, hast thou no fear of God? 
was now undergoing the same sentence, and we, justly enough, we receive no more than the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to him, I promise thee, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in the midst. And Jesus said, crying with a loud voice, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, and yielded up his spirit as he said it. And the centurion, when he saw what befell, gave glory to God. This, he said, was indeed a just man. And the whole multitude of those who stood there watching it, when they saw the issue, went home, beating their breasts. All his acquaintances, with the women who had followed him from Galilee, watched while this happened, standing at a distance. And now a man called Joseph came forward, one of the counsellors, a good and upright man, who had not taken part with the council and its doings. He was from Arimathea, a Jewish city, and was one of those who waited for the kingdom of God. He it was who approached Pilate and asked to have the body of Jesus. This he took and wrapped it in a winding sheet and laid it in a tomb fashioned out of the rock in which no man had ever been buried. It was the day of preparation. The next day was the Sabbath. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and now his body was buried. So they went back and prepared spices and ointments and while it was the Sabbath they kept still as the law commanded. And at very early dawn, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared, and found the stone already rolled away from the door of the tomb. They went into it, and could not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They were still puzzling over this, when two men came and stood by them in shining garments. These said to them, as they bowed their faces to the earth in fear, Why are you seeking one who is alive here among the dead? He is not here, he has risen again. Remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee. The Son of Man is to be given up into the hands of sinners, and to be crucified, and to rise again the third day. Then they remembered what he had said, and returned from the tomb, bringing news of all this to the eleven apostles and to the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James who told the apostles this. But to their minds the story seemed madness, and they could not believe it. Only Peter rose up and ran to the tomb, where he looked in and saw the grave clothes lying by themselves, and went away full of surmise over what had befallen. It was on the same day the two of them were walking to a village called Emmaus, sixty furlongs away from Jerusalem, discussing all that had happened. They were still conversing and debating together when Jesus himself drew near and began to walk beside them, but their eyes were held fast so that they could not recognize him. And he said to them, What talk is this you exchange between you as you go along, sad-faced? And one of them, who is called Cleophas, answered him, What? Art thou the only pilgrim in Jerusalem who has not heard of what has happened there in the last few days? What happenings? he asked. And they said, About Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet, 
whose words and acts held power with God and with all the people, how the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and so crucified him. For ourselves, we had hoped that it was he who was to deliver Israel. But now, to crown it all, today is the third day since it befell. Some women, indeed, who belonged to our company, alarmed us. They had been at the tomb early in the morning and could not find his body, whereupon they came back and told us that they had seen a vision of angels, who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that all was as the women had said, but of him they saw nothing. Then he said to them, Too slow of wit, too dull of heart, to believe all those sayings of the prophets. Was it not to be expected that the Christ should undergo these sufferings and enter so into his glory? Then, going back to Moses and the whole line of the prophets, he began to interpret the words used of himself by all the scriptures. And now they were drawing near the village to which they were walking, and he made as if to go on further. But they pressed him, Stay with us, they said, It's towards evening, and it's far on in the day. So he went in to stay with them. And then, when he sat down at table with them, he took bread, and blessed, and broke it, and offered it to them. Whereupon their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and with that he disappeared from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us on the road, and when he made the scriptures plain to us? Rising up there and then, they went back to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven apostles and their companions gathered together, now saying, The Lord has indeed risen, and has appeared to Simon. And they too told the story of their encounter in the road, and how they recognized him when he broke bread. While they were speaking of this, he himself stood in the midst of them, and said, Peace be upon you, it is myself, do not be afraid. They cowered down, full of terror, thinking they were seeing an apparition. What, he said to them, are you dismayed? Whence come these surmises in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, to be assured that it is myself. Touch me, and look, a spirit has not flesh and bones as you see that I have. And as he spoke thus, he showed them his hands and his feet. Then, while they were still doubtful and bewildered with joy, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? So they put before him a piece of roast fish and a honeycomb, and he took these and ate in their presence. This is what I told you, he said, while I still walked in your company, how all that was written of me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he enlightened their minds to make them understand the scriptures. So it was written, he told them, and so it was fitting that Christ should suffer and should rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Of this you are the witnesses. And behold, I am sending down upon you the gift which is promised by my Father. You must wait in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out as far as Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And even as he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So they bowed down to worship him and went back full of joy to Jerusalem, where they spent their time continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. 
The end of the Gospel according to St. Luke.